Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Point. My name is Donnie Williams. If you're here for the first time, thank you for coming and sharing part of your day with us. We have about five minutes after the service where we'd love to meet you. It's called the Welcome Experience. It's in the room on your left as you go out into the lobby. I'll be out there after the service. Love for you to come by and introduce yourself and find out just a few minutes uh, what you can in a few minutes about our church. So we started this season, our church called Unfinished. Last week, we had what we called the big give because we wanted you to give big, and you did. Our church gave last week $261,000 in one week. So yeah, and that is significantly more. A regular week is you know, 30000 or something like that. So you gave a lot more than normal because you believe in the mission of our church. And so I can't wait to start to share with you how God is working and what we're doing and the next steps we're going to be taking as a church. So how many of you, when you were younger, you thought about what you wanted to be when you grew up? You, know, you had thoughts, maybe real little, even five years old, 10 years old, you're thinking about what you want to be. The earliest thing I can remember thinking I want to be that was a professional athlete. But there was a problem. I couldn't throw the ball far enough. I couldn't get in the basket enough. I couldn't kick it hard enough. I just couldn't run with, I couldn't do anything when it came to a ball. So I, I, that's not going to work. So I put away that dream. And then the next thing I thought, I just considered the world must need more rock stars. So that's what I'm going to be. And so I went for a time thinking that's what I'll be, but I found out that I have limited musical ability. And so that didn't work. And I probably had a bunch of different twists and turns and like you did different things I thought about, could I be this or do that? And then I got into college and I had five different majors before I finally decided on the one that was for me. And that was, I thought, I'm going to be a meteorologist, a weatherman. And, and I thought about that for a while. Why are you laughing? That's not really funny. That I, I was a real thing. That's a real career. And that's what I was thinking about. And then that transitioned into being a professor. And then uh, God said, no, I want you to be a pastor. And then that's what I became. Some people think a little bit differently. They will decide at a very young age. Maybe a young teenager will decide, I want to be this, and you become that. My wife was one of those people. I didn't know her then, but she decided at a very early age she was going to be an accountant. So when she went to college, guess what she majored in? Accounting. Guess how many majors she had? One. Guess what she got a job in when she got out of college? Accounting. But for the rest of us normal people, that's not how it works. It's a little bit different. And really, all of us can relate to having things happen in life we didn't anticipate. And changes either in us or that are thrust upon us cause us to go in a different direction. So the question I want to ask today that I think all of us have dealt with, whether we planned what we wanted to do from a little kid and we became that, or whether we've had a bunch of twists and turns in life, here's the question I want to answer for you today. What do you do when life turns out different than you expected? What do you do when something happens that you didn't know was going to happen? You go into the doctor and you get a diagnosis you never thought you'd get. What do you do when somebody says, I don't love you anymore? What do you do when tragedy comes into your life? That's what we're going to be talking about today through the eyes of a person who had one of the greatest curveballs that could ever be thrown at them in life. 
We're in this series called Here, and we're looking at, through the eyes of people who experienced the birth of Jesus from his announcement all the way up to him actually arriving on earth. Last week, we talked about the first person who heard about Jesus showing up on earth or about to show up would have been his mother, Mary, and how everything about the interaction she had with an angel when the angel said, you're pregnant, and you're going to have a child, and you're going to call him Jesus, and how that changed the purpose of her life. Today, I want to talk to you about Joseph. There's a few Josephs mentioned in the Bible. This Joseph is the Joseph that was engaged to Mary when she found out that she was going to miraculously birth the Savior of the world. And you read about him in the New Testament book of Matthew. If you don't have a Bible, we'd like to give you one. Just raise your hand. Those are coming down right now. You can keep that or you can also follow along on the screen. But in Matthew chapter 1, we start to read about this guy, Joseph, that doesn't appear a lot in Scripture. We read about him here, and then when Jesus is about 2, we see a little section about him, and then when Jesus is about 12, we hear about him. And then we don't really know, scholars speculate on what might have happened to him, but he's not mentioned any time after Jesus is about the age of 12. But here's his first interaction in finding out that Jesus is getting ready to show up. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. With this news, life takes an unexpected turn. Have you ever gotten news you didn't know you were going to get, but that news meant life's going to be different from here on out. I'm going to have to make some choices. Things aren't going to be the same way they were before I got this news. That's the weight of the news that Joseph is getting because he's engaged Now, engagement in that culture at that time is quite different from the engagement today. If someone gets engaged today, traditionally, the guy shows up, he gets on one knee, and he gives the girl a ring, and they're engaged. Sometimes they set a date, sometimes they say eventually, but eventually a date is going to be set, and they're engaged. Now, if that engagement is going to be broken, uh, of course, hearts are broken. Uh, It's emotionally difficult to do that. But you do it pretty much other than emotional consequences, it's just broken and you move on. Sometimes you get the ring back, sometimes you don't, but it's broken. Nothing legal has happened yet. What was quite different in the first century and in that culture, engagements there and then, they were three-phase process. The first phase was you got the families to agree. The two families had to agree. Today, sometimes they agree, sometimes they don't. But in that day, they had to agree. The second thing was, they, after they agreed, they made this public announcement. And at this public announcement, they signed a contract. It was at this point legally binding. Although nobody's living together yet, it's just a legally binding contract. It's not like today. And that legally binding contract then could only be broken by a certificate of divorce or death, which is typically what a father does to a guy if he 
breaks the engagement and his little girl's heart. That's what I hear happens. The third phase is that the ceremony takes place. And they're married. The marriage is official. They go on the honeymoon. They seal the deal, just like happens today, on the honeymoon. And they go off and they start their life together. So Mary and Joseph seem to be in stage two, where they're legally bound to be married. So they're engaged, and it's nearly official. And then Joseph gets this news. And the news is, the woman you're engaged to is pregnant. Now, in that day... There was only one way to get pregnant. I'll spare you the details, but I think you can figure it out. I mean, the guy had to be in the room. That's not the case today, but then something had to happen between two people for a girl to get pregnant. So he knows what's happened. And so his first thought was probably, oh my gosh, she's betrayed me. She's lied to me. He's angry. He's hurt. He's confused. He has this disbelief, and she probably says to him, God did this to me. And he's probably thinking like anybody else, because this had never happened before. So why would he think she was even telling the truth? But whether he initially believed her or not, one thing is clear, life is not going to go the way he planned. He has just been thrown the curveball of all curveballs, and now what's he going to do? Well, legally, he had some options. One thing he could do is he could have her dragged through the streets and stoned to death. That was the law, and he would be justified in doing that. He could also humiliate her publicly, take her to trial, seek a conviction, and ruin her reputation for the rest of her life. He could also seek what amounts to a divorce. But there's two words that were used to describe Joseph, which dictate the direction he goes in after he gets this news he didn't anticipate. And those two words are righteous man. Joseph was a righteous man. He was connected to God. He loved God. He followed God. So regardless of how he's processing all of this, at the core of who he is, he's a righteous man. And so what he thinks about doing is, I'm just going to break the engagement. I'm just going to quietly divorce her, and I'm going to rebuild my life, and she can get on with her life. He was going to do what a righteous man would do. But he had options. And when he's thinking through those options, he falls asleep. And here's what happens. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Like any of us, at this point, he's got to be thinking, this is just not the way I wanted this to play out. This is just not what I was hoping for. I've got to consider my options here. And while he's doing that, God speaks to him, and he tells him exactly what he wants him to do. When God tells you exactly what he wants you to do, that's a calling. That's God saying, here's what I want you to do. 
Now, there's a lot of calling we can find in the Bible as to what God wants us to do. But Joseph heard from God. No doubt that's who he was hearing from. So there was this calling from God on Joseph, and here's what happened. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. He did exactly what God called him to do, exactly what God asked him to do. He did exactly what a righteous man would do who was living a righteous life, which means he was trying to live his life in a way that honored God. He wasn't perfect. He didn't make every decision perfectly, but his attempt was to live his life in such a way that honored God. And here's what we learned from Joseph. When life went in a different direction, Joseph kept walking in the same direction. When life threw him a curveball, he kept moving in the same direction. It wasn't easy. He could have said, God, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing it. I've been thinking about a way out of this. In fact, in the New Testament version, paraphrase version, called the message, when it says Joseph considered this, this is how the message says it. In chapter 1, verse 20, it says, while he was still trying to figure a way out, God spoke to him. So while he was thinking, how am I going to get out of this? What am I going to do? I've got all these options. Maybe I could just quietly let her be divorced, divorce her because I love her. Even though she's betrayed me, I still love her. And I'm just going to let her start her life and I'll start my life. And he's trying to figure all this out on his own and he takes a nap and God speaks to him. So if you're confused and wondering what to do when life has thrown you a curveball, maybe you need to take a nap. <laughs> and what that means is maybe you need to not have a knee-jerk reaction. Maybe you need to consider what are my options. Maybe you need to think about it a little more and not just run into it with anxiety and fear and start making decisions that you'll regret later. See, typically when we're trying to figure a way out for ourselves, we miss God's direction. When we're trying to figure it out through our anxiety, we will miss God's direction. So what do you do when life just doesn't turn out the way you thought it would? When something unexpected slaps you in the face? When you go to the doctor and you hear news you don't want to hear? When you go to work and you hear your position or your job has been eliminated? When someone you love deeply looks at you and says, I don't love you anymore and I want out of this, what do you do? Here's how people who follow Christ get through it. When life goes in a different direction, you keep walking in the same direction. You keep going towards Christ. You keep following the calling that he has on your life. And Joseph, even though he would have had doubts and fear, he would not have allowed his circumstances to take away from what God had called him to do. He would not have allowed these circumstances that were coming into his life, he didn't plan for and he didn't anticipate, he would not have allowed that to pull him off of the path that God had him on, which was being a righteous man. I have a lot of interaction with people who come to me and tell me, this is my struggle, this is what I'm dealing with. And mostly what people are explaining, whether it's right down front, whether it's through a confession, whether it's through a conversation over coffee or an email, what they're trying to explain to me is, 
life has taken a turn I didn't anticipate and I need some help. Like we all would when life takes a turn that we didn't anticipate, whether it's relationally or physically or financially, we're all going to reach out for help. So what do you do? How do you reach out for help? How do you get past life going in a direction you never anticipated? Now, some of you are much younger than some of the rest of us. Some of you are students. You're still in school. You're still trying to figure everything out. You're still trying to figure out what you want to do or go in a certain direction. And you really haven't, you can't really relate to, what do you mean life going in a different direction? Well, if it hasn't happened yet, it's coming for you. It'll happen. There will be a time that you have planned one thing, and then all of a sudden this new information or this thing will happen or someone will hurt you or something will happen to you and you're going to have to make a decision. Life just came at me in a way I never expected. Now what do I do? And whether it's your fault or somebody else's fault or nobody's fault, you've got to decide. What do I do when I'm like Joseph and I've got this new information that changes everything? What do I do? Well, you have a choice. You have two paths you can walk down. One, you can choose your way out. You can choose your way out, which leads to anger. It leads to bitterness. It leads to looking at God and saying, God, why did you let this happen to me? Why didn't you take care of me like you said you would? Why didn't you do for me what you do for other people? Why can't my life be like hers or his or theirs? Why? I want to know. And so when we go down our way out, when we consider that and think, I'm going to get myself out of this, you will end up full of angry, anger and bitterness. You can also try to figure it out for yourself as you're going down the path of your way out. You can try to come up with ways and make decisions thinking, I'm not getting what I want, so I'm going to do something different. And you try to force it. You want a relationship so badly that you'll let things progress physically and emotionally in the relationship where they should not be at that point. But you do because you're so desperate to not be alone and to have someone. And I've had people sit across from my desk in my office and come to the realization in their minds that they married the wrong person. And when someone says, I think I married the wrong person, I just say, check the marriage license because that was the person you married. Work it out. And I know it doesn't always work out and sometimes there's no way to work it out. But the place to start is your marriage license. Whose name is on that? That's who you need to be trying to work it out with. Even if you feel like, I jumped into this too fast. I got into this too soon. Sometimes people get so anxious about their future and what they're able to earn and their finances and the material things they're able to buy that they won't wait. They'll just go buy it anyway. They'll just go to where the bank accounts, account is empty and the credit cards are maxed out because you're trying to go down your way and you're allowing the anxiety to well up inside of you in such a way that says, if God's not going to give it to me, I'm going to go get it myself. Joseph didn't do that. He chose a different path. See, we sometimes choose the path of wanting to control God because if you're going to allow God to have more control in your life, you know what that means? You have less control. In the book, The Emotionally Healthy Church, Pete Scazzaro says this words, these words when we're talking about controlling God. He says, I like control. I like to know where God is going. I like to know exactly what he's doing. 
the exact route of how we're going to get there and exactly when we will arrive. I also like to remind God of his need to behave in ways that fit with my clear ideas of him. Don't we do that? Don't we think, God, you're not fitting in what I thought. I thought you were going to give me all this stuff. I don't, I now I don't have all this stuff, whether it's, uh, whether it's material things, relationally, uh, whatever you, you know, the sense of peace that you feel, whatever. You're just saying, God, I thought you were going to give me all that, and I'm not getting it. So I'm not happy with you, God. I'm going to go out, and I'm going to get it myself. There's another way to go that's much better, and that is the way of doing what God calls you to do. That's what Joseph did. He could have gone a completely different direction. He had the legitimate options to do so. But it says in Matthew 1, verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He looked down the path of bitterness and anger and trying to control it all on his own, and he said, no, thank you. The path of trusting God and going with my calling that God has on my life, it's going to be harder. People aren't going to understand. People are going to think I'm crazy. It may not end up, it may not be the path I thought, but it's the right one. And that's what Joseph chose, that he was going to live out his calling regardless of the circumstances that came into his life. And when it comes to it, comes right down to it, Joseph just said, God, I'm going to trust you. I don't like it. I don't understand it. I'm, I'm just going to trust you. And here's what Joseph would have discovered as he continued to live his life. What Joseph thought was a detour in his life was actually his destination. It was actually what God had planned for him all along. Even though the initial receiving of the news wouldn't have been like, okay, well, that must be what God has for me. I mean, nobody really takes it like that. He struggled and he wrestled and he realized, this is actually my destination. Let me rephrase that. What I think is a detour in my life might actually be my destination. It might actually be all that God has for me. I have found some amazing things on detours in my life. There was a time in my early 20s when I first started following Jesus, made a lot of mistakes before that, and I started following Jesus, and a lot of those mistakes had to do with who I chose to date and who I chose to go out with and, and tons of mistakes with that. So I decided after I followed Jesus that it was just going to be me and Jesus. I'm just, gonna, just me and God. I'm just what I'm going to do. I guess I'm just going to be by myself. It's just me and God. That's what I'm going to do. And I went on this detour, never planned on that, but it felt like that's the direction I need to go in. And you know what I found on that detour? The most amazing woman I had ever met in my life. And I married her. And that was 25 years ago. And I thank God for that detour. I thank God for having to wrestle through, well, what should my next step be? Because that detour led me straight to her. And in your life, you think you're going in one direction and then something else pops up that you never anticipated. You think you're going this way and then all of a sudden you go that way. You think you're in this career or this city and then it moves and you're somewhere else. What if that's God's destination for you and you fight it and you refuse it and you don't listen to the advice of others and you just continue to move and say, no, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do it my way. And, and, and what if you're missing God's ultimate destination for you because you refuse to just say, God, I trust you and the calling that you have on my life. For Cinda and I, I remember 
one of the times that we felt like a curveball had been thrown to us. And it was when I decided I wanted to be involved in starting something brand new. I'd worked in churches for, for about 12 years at that point, and I thought, what if we start something new that, that does some innovative stuff? What, what if we do that? And we thought that journey was going to take us to the West Coast. We were sure it was. I mean, I was already preparing to tell my kids who were uh, kindergarten and second grade at the time, I was preparing to say, hey, you ever heard of California? Because <laughs> looks like we're going there. But then all of a sudden, this curveball came my way called LifePoint Church, and it led me right here to all of you. And I never anticipated that. That is not what I would have written out. But when I look back now, you know what I see? That was God's destination for me. Even though it didn't feel like it, even though it wasn't the way I wanted to do it, it was God's destination. So maybe where you are is exactly where God wants you to be. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. So it comes down to doing what Joseph did, saying, God, I want to follow you, even though it's confusing, even though I don't understand it, even though it might be painful. I'm going to trust you over going with what I understand or even what I feel. I'm going to trust you. So what does he do? He marries Mary. He names the baby Jesus. That's exactly what God told him to do. You think, is it really that simple? It is when you embrace the detour. When you embrace the direction that God has for you, it does seem kind of simple. Now, that doesn't mean it's easy. Simple and easy are not the same thing. Because there would have been gossip. There would have been slander. There would have been criticism. And that was just from the church people. And there was all this, uh, these other people out there that would have looked at him and thought, how can you do that when he's walking down the street and her belly's this big and they know that's not his child and they're thinking, you expect us to believe that came from the Holy Spirit? Like, how gullible could you be, Joseph? That's never happened. But he would say, this is my destination because this is what God has for me. Believe it or not, he would have said, this is God's calling on my life. And when you choose to trust God to work in your life, he might work in your circumstances. He might heal the relationship. He might heal you physically. He might provide a miracle that defies all understanding by the human mind. He can and he does. He might also heal your heart. He might also change you from the inside and everything may still stay the same physically, but something inside changes. And if you've ever talked to anybody who's been through a very difficult time, whether it's physically or relationally, and they get on the other side of it and say, I'm a better person because of that. Now, for some of us, we can look at them and think, that's really confusing. Imagine if Joseph made it to be an old man. We don't know how long he lived. But imagine he made it to an old man, and he's looking back as an old man at his life when he was barely out of his teenage years. And he's looking back at all that he had to endure, and he's remembering that night and the doubt and the fear and the pain. 
You know what else you'd be saying? Yeah, it was tough, but I was exactly where God wanted me to be. It wasn't fun going through it. It wasn't fun having to endure all I had to endure because of it. But I chose the path of trusting God, and I would do it again. And when I look back in my life, and you probably look back in yours, and you've endured something like that, and you come out on the other side of it, you know you're stronger. You know you can sit down with somebody and say, I've been there, and I know. And you're going to get through it. And somehow your life can be a testimony to other people to say, this is what it looks like to trust God. This is what it looks like to go with trusting him instead of down in the pits of bitterness and despair and anger and trying to control it all yourself. And so Joseph said, I'm not going that way. I'm going with God. And if we are going to handle the curveballs that life throws our way, we're going to have to say, I'm not going to go that way. I'm going to go with trusting God. C.S. Lewis in the book, The Great Divorce, says this. The saved. What happens to them is best described as the opposite of a mirage. What seemed when they entered into it to be the veil of misery turns out, when they look back, to have been a well. And where present experience saw only salt deserts, memory truthfully records that the pools were full of water. What he's saying is, when you look back on whatever difficulty you're going through, you have a choice. You can look back on it with pain and bitterness and anger, or you can look back and say, I am better because that happened to me. It wasn't easy. It was difficult. I didn't want it to happen. I didn't enjoy it happening, but God changed me through it, and it ultimately brought me exactly where he wants me to be. So has life gone in a different direction for you? If so, choose the pathway of trust. So God can use all what's going on for you to be able to look back and say, I was exactly where he wanted me to be. Let's pray. God, help us as we go through difficult times, as maybe even this week or today, we hear news we don't want to hear. We experience things we don't want to experience. But God, give us the strength to say, we trust you. Your calling on our lives is always greater than our circumstances. And I pray we move through those difficult circumstances holding on to your grace and mercy. I pray this in Jesus' name.